fundamentally, what you want to keep in mind is you don't have to take everything that chat GPT suggests and just apply it blindly. But it could raise interesting points because you still need to use your mind. Nothing beats the human mind, at least in my opinion. You're like, oh, this is an interesting point. Maybe I can modify it and work on it and optimize it further. My name is Khalis Saleh, and I love to talk about conversion rate optimization. I'm Simba, and I love asking questions about conversion optimization. This is CRO Live Hour, a show all about A-B testing, experimentation, and conversion rate optimization. Each episode, Khalid amazes me, answering some of the difficult CRO questions, dropping insights like it's no big deal. While pretty much every episode will take on a new set of conversion rate optimization questions that are not easy. We will talk strategies, we will talk process, and we will talk tactics. Simba will be bringing all the questions. Oh man, I bring tough questions like, do A-B testing results fade over time? How do you go from low to high testing velocity? How do you measure the success of a conversion funnel? And how do you align your CRO program with a growth strategy? Yeah, Khalid, these are very, very tough questions. Yes, they are, but we always answer them here. And if you love conversion optimization like we do, and certainly like Simba does, subscribe to the CRO Live Hour podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Another week, another CRO live hour. It's been like a year and four months of doing the CRO live hour. So super excited. And it's funny, you think at some point we'll run out of things to talk about, but there's always more and more interesting questions that come. On the invest side, maybe we've used Google Optimize only once in the last, I don't know, eight years. Most of the companies that we work with are larger. And even if they're small, the type of experimentation and how many experiments we launch per month, it made Google Optimize just not a real option to use. But what's fascinating is the fact that even as people who use Google Optimize start taking a look at FigPy, they're surprised by some of the features that they see. And I'm surprised by some of the stuff that they tell me. So for example, FigPy does very sophisticated revenue calculation to help you understand the impact of any experiment that you do on the bottom line that we knew that it was not there in Google Optimize. But even matching things between Google Optimize and Google Analytics was an issue for companies who are very serious about the testing program. And of course, there are features that are in FigPy that's just out of the box are not there in Google Optimize. Heat maps, session recording, on-site polling. And of course, there's the recommendations, which was never there in any of the other AP testing platforms. So it's fascinating. It's an interesting time to be living in an invest or FigPy. And it's fun as well. And I think today is going to be interesting because we are talking about chat GPT. Everybody jumped on the bandwagon of chat GPT, so we might as well talk about it and how to use it when it comes to conversion rate optimization, experimentation, A-B testing. So how does chat GPT impact conversion optimization? There are three different ways that chat GPT AI can help anybody who's working in conversion optimization and experimentation do a better job in improving a site conversion rate. Those three different areas are hypothesis creation. And when we talk about hypothesis creation, we're talking about more sophisticated hypothesis creation. Number two, they can help you in terms of copy writing, which is great and delve deeper into what that means. And number three, They'll help you in terms of A-B test development. Those three areas, if you know how to use JAD GPT in the correct way, 
can really enhance your job as somebody who is focused on conversion optimization and can deliver better results, whether you are working internally or you're working with clients to try and help them improve conversion rates. Let's jump right in and talk about those three different areas. The very first area is hypothesis creation. Now, typically, whenever you're creating a hypothesis for an A-B experiment, there is a step that comes before that. That step is identifying a particular problem on the page. That's number one. Now, if you're lucky and you've done some A-B testing, you also have some A-B tests results that you've collected. You've ran some observations about the website visitors. You also have some best practices maybe that you apply because you've done conversion optimization for a while. Now, what you can do, what you can do with ChatGPT is take all of these input points. Here's the problem that I'm trying to solve. Here's what I've learned about my visitors. Here are some observations that I've done based on my previous A-B testing. And here is maybe an initial hypothesis that I have. And you can ask ChatGPT to give you suggestions for other hypotheses that you can run on the particular page or additional hypothesis for A-B testing. Now, when we experimented with that, it was interesting because sometimes some of the hypotheses were interesting. Sometimes they were not so great. And I'm like, really? Okay. Because again, it's AI is trying to figure its way around. So when you don't get a good hypothesis, when you're like, hmm, come on, chat GPT, we need to come up, by the way, with a fancier name for it. But come on, it's like, oh, this is not good. A good conversion optimizer will provide that input to chat GPT to say, well, here's the issue that I see with the hypothesis that you've suggested. Can you modify it in this particular way and work on it and optimize it further? But chat GPT can be extremely helpful in that way. That's number one. Number two, chat GPT can be very powerful when it comes to copywriting and copywriting is extremely important to any type of conversion optimization. Lots of times, whenever people work on optimizing a website, they are very focused on the design. But I always say design is important, but it comes second to copywriting. We put up with ugly designs if the copy on the site and the messaging on the site is persuasive and captures our interests. And ChatGPT can help you create that copywriting. You can give it some of the headlines that you are thinking about. So it can give you different alternatives. You can give it some different sections in the landing pages that you are working on. And it can give you suggestions of other things, other ways to present that copywriting. Again, it's rare for ChatGPT to be 100% perfect. But at that point in time, your job as a conversion optimizer and your job as a copywriter becomes more of an editorial job. You can take the copy, you can fine-tune it, wordsmith it, so it's not highly intensive AI-written copy, but AI and ChatGPT can actually help you in creating maybe 60-70% of the copy that you're writing, and then you do the wordsmithing, you do the editorial job, and you end up with very powerful copy. And since we're talking about copy, we also have to keep in mind that ChatGPT can help us create copy for our ads, whether on Facebook or in Google Ads or Bing or any other platform, you can supply ChatGPT with different headlines that you are thinking about and see other variations, other suggestions that the tool can give you. So that's two different ways they all are around the copywriting portion of what a CRO or conversion optimization specialist will. 
The third way in how ChatGPT can help you improve your job as a CRO is in actually writing the code. ChatGPT has programming languages written into it. Most A-B testing is done using fronts and code to manipulate a particular page. And you can actually ask ChatGPT to write some of the code for you. Now, the code is very powerful when it comes to ChatGPT, but if you are doing something complex, don't expect ChatGPT to write everything for you from zero to 100%, but it might help you really get about 80% of the code that you want, which is very powerful because that means it is something that's going to allow you to do your job in a much better and faster way. Again, similar to how you did when it comes to copywriting, you're performing the editorial job when it comes to copywriting. When it comes to writing code, you're performing the senior developer job of looking at the code, optimizing it further, saying, you know what, I can actually take this and improve it a little bit, a little bit further. Now, all of this, by the way, is around ChatGPT. One thing that we are doing that is very interesting away from ChatGPT is machine learning. Think about the job that a conversion optimizer does. They look at inputs, and those inputs could be analytics, could be heat maps, could be session recording, previous A-B tests. They're doing some sort of analysis to come up with that initial hypothesis. Machine learning is ideal for a job like that, where you can use machine learning to look at all these different inputs, and then based on that, create a hypothesis. And we've done enough A-B testing that we actually have models, correct, for things that we can apply machine learning for, come up with a final answer, and then run, like, you know, take that machine learning model, run it for new websites. So really, the analysis can become a lot more sophisticated than your typical analysis. The beauty of this is we don't have to invent the wheel, like, you know, reinvent the wheel or start from scratch. AWS has a very strong machine learning algorithms that are specific to e-commerce. So we are working with AWS on actually saying, hey, how can we use machine learning to help us improve the job that our CROs do? This is machine learning. A lot different than AI. AI is just figuring out the road on its own. Machine learning, you start with a roadmap. So here's the map. Here's point A. Here's point B. Here's the correct route, how I can get there. It's just different and fascinating ways of how you can work with a website to improve its conversion rates. The very first point that I mentioned, ChatGPT can help with curate a hypothesis or an experiment, but your hypothesis is as good as the inputs. And that's the reason lots of people, when they start providing input that is not very clear, input that's maybe still like kind of like not black and white, more maybe on the gray area, they're complaining that the hypothesis that they're getting from ChatGPT is not necessarily very powerful. That's the reason I would say it's natural to have not so great hypotheses. Don't expect ChatGPT to do your job for you. You got to use your brain. It's almost like having an assistant, correct? That's going to give you some suggestions. Sometimes you'll get your assistant and you're like, oh, you're way off. And sometimes, oh, this is really great idea over there. One of the partner agencies that we work with are using ChatGPT, which is extremely powerful in creating e-commerce product descriptions. They are working with a client, 4,000 different products. And one of the biggest challenges that e-commerce websites have is that the product descriptions are just really either taken from the manufacturer which means that you have duplicate copy. I'm using the same product description that any of my other competitors are using. Or if they want to create it, it's just a humongous job. So they said, you know what? ChatGPT is really great. It's great for creating all those product descriptions. Now, you don't want to just take those product descriptions and just throw them on your website. You still have to perform that editorial job to make sure that you have actually good copy on the site. So in complex analysis, when it comes to 
analytics, complex analysis for heat maps. Again, ChatGPT is a text-based app, correct? So can it read actually a heat map and make a recommendation? I love that. Maybe even just the initial process of describing your products, the problem that you're trying to solve for people, and then telling here, like now I want to create a poll, asking people to start a question. What should I include in it? What are the options that could be interesting? Here are the outputs correct from the poll. 40% of my visitors are complaining about this. 30% are complaining about that. How do you recommend what you recommend? Again, it can be a sounding board for you to think about new things that you can launch on your website, new experiments that you can play with. The less sophisticated you are, eventually AI and automation is going to replace you. The more sophisticated the work you do, the longer the road ahead in front of AI to be able to replace somebody. And then the reality of it, think about copywriting. Copywriting is an absolute amazing gift. Some people have it, some people don't have it, right? And Chad GPT can help create some copywriting. But you can tell to some extent whether this copywriting is written by a machine or is written by a human. And lots of times, this is not to say, like, you know, lots of times I read copywriting from people who specialize in copywriting and I think to myself, I'm like, oh gosh, this is just typical, what I call marketing copy that people read through and sif- sniff through and it's just not going to convert them. Good copywriters are rare to find. And I absolutely, by the way, spend a lot of time studying their work and just fascinated by how they say things in a way that I'm like, oh man, that sounds just so beautiful and it's just so captivating. I can tell you that ChatGPT probably will replace 70% of the copywriters out there, but the top-notch copywriters, they're probably not worried. As a matter of fact, they think to themselves, you know what, ChatGPT and AI and all these tools are just going to help me become better copywriter. Sometimes we work with companies and I look at some of the manual processes that they have and outdated. They have four or five people doing them. And I think to myself, you know, all these people could be replaced with an automation script that the developer can write probably in less than a week. That's a scary thought to those people because they don't understand that you could be replaced easily. And this reminds me of one of the architects that I've worked with very early when I was first starting to do software development. And he had the sign on his desk where he said, go away or I will replace you with a script. So you really had to think through before you ask him a question. And when you ask him a question, it needs to be a smart question. The better you are at your job, the more difficult will be for automation to replace you. And as a matter of fact, automation will be a tool for you to become better at your job. We do quite a bit of content marketing. That's how we've built the company. If I'm merely using AI to create content, great, so I'll throw more content, but guess what? I'm relying on Google. Our most amazing content is not requires two pillars, two elements to it. The content piece, but then there's this distribution. And the distribution is very hard. Yes, I can use AI to write some content to like you know do the outreach and whatnot, but most likely you're spamming people, not very helpful. The distribution side of things is the human relationship, correct? Our best distribution comes from like, oh, I know so-and-so. I've written an article about Google Optimize. And one of the largest sites about online marketing, they publish one article and I'm like, I can do so much better, but their editorial, to get through their editorial process, it takes forever. So I pinged the CEO of that company because I've known him 
copy for 15, 16 years. And I told him, hey, so-so, I've written an article. What do you think? Can you guys publish it? And he got back to me just actually before our LinkedIn Live. And he's like, yeah, he's like, let me connect you with the editorial team. You know, let's chat. And at the same time, he said, hey, like, you know, by the way, I'm working on this landing page with the clients. Can you help? And I'm like, of course. Nothing beats the human relationship. AI is not going to do that for you. that human relationship next week. I'm flying to PopCon Austin. I'm going to be meeting a whole bunch of people. I'm so super excited, by the way, to be meeting with people. I'm not sure, like, you know, we're doing a dinner on Monday, this coming Monday with a whole bunch of the CROs. So it's always interesting to chat with them. So I'm going to be asking them to see. I know Brian Massey is going to be there. Pep most likely will be there. A few other people. So it will be interesting to have a discussion with them on ChatGPT and see how they are using it in their agencies and in their work as well. Good agencies should be always looking ahead and asking the question, how can I improve something? How can I improve my current process? When I hire a senior CRO, one of the biggest things that I tell them, we have a very well-established process. I was reviewing a little earlier. We have 17 different steps to creating an A-B test. 17 documented steps prior, by the way, to coding the A-B test. And the reason I've documented that, because sometimes... When you work with a company, they don't appreciate all the work that goes into an A-B test. They're like, oh, that's very quick. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually a very demanding process. And what you end up with before even we code anything, a 21-page document, 2021-page document, our test briefs. So there's a lot of work that goes into this. Whenever I hire a senior CRO, I tell them, listen, we have a very well-established process. However... And it's good to have a process. I will take a process over just chaos and time of day. However, since you are senior, I want to see, not the first month, but by the second month, I want to hear from you three to five new ideas of how we can improve the process, how we can do better. And I get very interesting suggestions. Even more fascinating is as we start working with different companies, some of the questions that they ask, and they're just merely asking a question, really can inspire changes to the process to say, hmm, yeah, this is an interesting question. So we've modified our process. Obviously, we've introduced three or four new things to the process around what type of testing we do, especially when companies stick with you for a while, what kind of testing we do, what kind of analysis, what kind of insights that we get. Now, if you're just merely starting to work with the company to try and help them improve conversion rates, the first 12 months are easy, by the way. The second 12 months are easy. But if you work with a company since 2011 or with another company since 2017, the process is a lot harder. You've tested many things. You can go back and retest, but okay. So yeah, that's fine. That's maybe like, you know, 20, 25% of your ideas. But how do you innovate and how do you come up with new testing ideas that really push you beyond your comfort zone? That's always fascinating. So we're looking at design patterns. We're looking at like, you know, specific templates that we use. We're looking at some kind of what I call away from just tweaking the templates into, okay, how do we actually test to improve revenue? That is always fascinating. But if you're stuck doing the same thing day in, day out, you're not going to improve. And if you don't improve, you're you're digressing. We have one client that I've been working with for a long time. This is the fourth or fifth management team that we work with from that client. They've had turnover over the years. I mean, you work with a company for that long. I was talking with their CTO and it's fascinating, by the way, one thing that I've noticed in the last... I would say 24 months is many of our conversations are happening with the CTO, not with the CMO. 
about 70% of our conversations are with the CML or VP of marketing or the founders, depends on the size of the company. But 30% of the conversations that we're having nowadays are with the CTO. By the way, completely different conversation. And it goes back into blurring the lines nowadays between the CTO and CMO. So that's a whole discussion for another time. But we're talking about the type of test and the priorities that the CTO has are different than a typical CMO priorities. Our goal as a company that does conversion optimization, our goal is to help the company make more money online, improve your conversion rate, your revenue per visitor, your average order value. Well, the CTO has a different set of priorities as well, because he's looking at site stability, he's looking at code architecture, and he wants the company to continue making money online. And then, by the way, this is not to say anything, but sometimes explaining A-B, A-B testing to a CTO is easier than explaining it to a marketing person, because there is a technical side to A-B experimentation. So he's like, yeah, I love this. And then initially he came in and he's like, yeah, what's the value? After we explained it, he probably, I'm guessing... Because we had the first call and the second call, he had ducked through it. He's like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. However, I have also five concerns that we need to address. And I would like to test this and this and this and how, like, you know, he's trying to understand our methods of actually pulling the data. I was telling him, I'm like, oh, this is an amazing conversation for me coming, like, because it's like kind of tickles my background in developments. I'm like, oh, God, this is nice. So let's talk about this and let's talk about that. So it's just always fascinating. We focus a lot on data. I really mean, we focus a lot on data because we're constantly digging through analytics and pulling data from four or five different sources and kind of looking at them and kind of like, you know, different angles. We used to say, you know what, clients would love that. But we've worked with companies who could not care less, by the way. They don't care about data. Just tell us what you're going to be testing. Let's move on. If you try and have the data conversation with them, they're not very interested in that. So for those types of clients, we're like, okay, we'll do our work, correct? But we don't have to present all of these. We simplify it, we present it. We have other clients who are so data focused, who are just basically, we can, we'll also spend hours with us kind of talking about data and analysis and digging. And it's interesting because with some companies, they want to like, you know, slice and dice and look at different angles to make the right decisions. With other companies, they're like, just sell us or just simplify it because this is getting too complicated. So not only that the process changes, but how and what we present to different companies that we work with changes based on the company. Because you want to find the good match for those companies that you're working with. I was talking to one agency and he was telling me that about one of his account managers who had mastered the art of dealing with clients. However, the actual work was not good. So he's like, you know, we know that the work is really not good, but this guy has really good relationship with the different accounts that he's on. But he, like, you know, as a manager, he said, no, our work quality is, is much higher. We demand a lot more. So they end up letting go of this guy. And he's like, we know that the quality of the work is not there. Within one week, we lost four or five clients because they all had the amazing relationship with this guy and they all wanted the relationship more than the actual quality of work. Again, different clients want different things. Some clients are very focused on the relationship. Some clients are focused on the quality of work. I always tell our team members that the secret to success when it comes to conversion optimization is both. You have to deliver amazing relationship and you have to deliver amazing work. That's how people stick with you. You do one versus the other, you're going to end up losing the company. You know, you do just relationship without results, without really good work. They're like, yeah, good talking to you. I enjoy it, but no, paying you too much. Or you do the other way around, which I think will get you longer with a client that you're delivering good work. But if you don't maintain the relationship, it becomes very mechanical. No, you want that personal relationship. So it's kind of a mix between the two. Actually, earlier today, I was talking with one of our lead developers and I'm like, well, this is the last point. And then this is the last point. I'm like, okay, 
This is the fifth last point today, but I want to ask you about this. So yeah, go for it. <laughs> the objectives of the clients would might make you say, you know what? We don't need to focus on this. The specific requirements of the client and the specific industry of the client sometimes will make you say, you know what? We don't have to include this. So we do competitive analysis as part of our conversion rate optimization work. It's a cornerstone. We want to understand the market. We're not copying competitors, but sometimes we might steal some of their ideas and we validate them. If you work with a company that has no competitors and people always say, really? No company has no competitors. Yeah, we work with a couple of companies where they are really defying a completely new space where, hey, it's not like, oh yeah, this is just like everybody else had done this. No, it's a completely different way of doing business. There's no direct competitors. There is the current status quo of how people do things, but those are not direct competitors and you have to understand how those work, but you're not doing the deep competitive analysis that you typically do. I'll give you an example. One of the companies I had a conversation with them and they're in air cargo. Okay. Typical space has been around for a while. You have all these airlines and you know, you can reserve like, you know, space to ship your cargo. What they've created is a marketplace for air cargo where people just like where you have a marketplace for gas for oil and gas and there's like you know future contracts they have the same thing for air cargo that's a completely new space i mean it took like five minutes for me to even understand the concept and i'm like wow this is fascinating okay you've created a new market opportunity so there's no competitive analysis that happens that happens in that area you still have to understand the current status quo and what people are doing but you're not looking at direct competitors Analytics and what we do with analytics, we spend a lot of time on analytics, but our approach to analytics, the data that we have to pull for analytics is a lot different. Even how and the requirements that we have around launching and maybe experiments. We have very strict requirements in terms of determining sample size that is required, what we call early stop measures, late stop measures, all that stuff that we we make. If you're working with a startup that doesn't have enough data, you have to be flexible. The best example that I tell people, if I'm working on a new medicine, you're a startup. As you're rolling out the new medicine, you're starting with a much smaller sample to validate. And that's what we do with those companies. So you really have to be flexible, understanding the objectives of the company, the context that they operate in, and you have to adjust your process accordingly. I enjoyed the conversation about AI and chat GPT. We'll come back next week. Well, thank you everybody for joining. As usual, if you enjoyed this conversation, make sure that you like and subscribe. If you have any questions, drop them in the comments, reach out to me or Simba, and we'll come back next week. Thank you everyone.